Are pastors across America committing malpractice? The president of LifeWay Christian Resources will join us to discuss ways in which preachers are turning the gospel into a mere motivational message. And a Mother's Day question. Does having children make you happier? Plus, when will the lady in the pants suit quit the presidential race? We'll talk presidential politics today on Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is Penna Dexter. My favorite message was from a woman named Angela. Keep strong, she said. It's not over until the lady in the pantsuit says it is. Hillary Rodham Clinton reading a Mother's Day letter. She got several of those letters. Uh, This was her favorite letter, of course, from a woman telling her to keep on fighting for the nomination. But is Hillary Clinton crippling the Democrat Party by staying in the presidential race? Let's get your thoughts on the matter right here at the beginning of the program. I'm going to open the phones, 800-881-9270. You can start calling in. I'm Penna Dexter. I've been out for the past week, and uh, I had a wonderful Mother's Day. I hope you did. We're going to talk later about Mother's Day. Uh, I realized, I guess, uh, on Mother's Day what a blessing children are. I mean, I already knew that. But the question we'll uh, be dealing with today is, do your kids make you happy? We're going to talk about it later in the program. Some people say that uh, kids actually make people less happy. Others say they really don't have any effect at all on happiness. So we'll discuss that. Also, we're going to talk about a phenomenon called pastoral malpractice. Here's an extreme example of that. It's from Joel Osteen. To become a better you, you must be positive towards yourself, develop better relationships, embrace the place where you are. Yeah. Not one mention of God in that, not one mention of Jesus Christ in that. That's just my message. There is scripture in there that backs it all up. But I feel like, Byron, I'm called to help people. How do we walk out the Christian life? How do we live it? And these are principles that can help you. I mean, if there's a lot better people qualified to say, Here's a book that's going to explain the scriptures to you. I don't think that's my gifting. All right, uh, that's Joel Osteen. We're not exactly going to be talking about him, but we are going to be talking about this sort of watering down of the gospel. Dr. Tom Rayner 
of uh, Lifeway Christian Resources. He's president of that organization, and he says that this is widespread. He's written an article about it at uh, bpnews.net. It's dated May 5th, if you want to check it out and join us on that topic later in the program. But this is really the idea that pastors are helping people with the gospel in the sense that the gospel is helpful for their lives, but not going to the deeper reason that the gospel uh, is actually important uh, to be preached. And uh, it's really a phenomenon that he calls pastoral malpractice. So we'll talk about it later in the program. But first, let's go back to a little presidential politics. And we have opened up the phones. We've got people lining up. Uh, The number, again, is 800-881-9270. To talk about this presidential race, Hillary Clinton uh, still staying in the race. But Newsweek, I haven't uh, been home to get my mail today, but my Newsweek magazine usually comes on Monday. And I understand the cover story is uh, basically the magazine saying that he's the nominee. Obama is the nominee. He was asked what his thoughts are about this cover story, calling him the winner of the Democratic campaign. I don't want to be jinxed. We've still got some work to do. And uh, Senator uh, Barack Obama saying that he's looking forward to facing McCain in the race for president. If I'm fortunate enough to be the nominee, then I'm looking forward to the general election. He has been focusing a lot of his speeches on John McCain rather than Hillary Clinton. Of course, Hillary Clinton has been focusing hers somewhat on John McCain, but also on Barack Obama. And a lot of her critics are saying that she is really keeping sort of a nastiness factor in it and hurting the Democrat Party. And on that note, uh, we are taking your calls. Is it a good thing or a bad thing that Hillary Clinton is staying in the race? Let's go to uh, Vernon in Princeton, Texas. Vernon, thanks for calling. What are your thoughts on this? Tenna, thanks for having me on, and welcome back. Thank you very much. Um, you know, as a Republican, I think it's a good thing that she's staying in the race because obviously it does, you know, it does hinder the Democratic Party. Not that John McCain is the uh, ideal Republican nominee either, but as a Republican, I think it's a good thing. Uh, if you were a Democrat, would you think it was a good thing? Um... That's why I'm not a Democrat, Tina, because I don't think either one of them are good. You don't think like Democrats. What? You don't think like a Democrat. I do not think like a Democrat. All right, Vernon, thank you very much. And Uh, we are taking your calls. Is Hillary Clinton hurting the Democrats? Should a Democrat or will a Democrat, in your opinion, stand up pretty soon and try to convince Hillary to drop out of the race? Should that even happen? Uh, Senator uh, Barack Obama said that uh, he's not really looking at whether Hillary can or cannot win the race. And this is from CNN. I doubt this is true. But he says he's focusing on what's ahead. He's almost seeming to dismiss her here. We've got six more contests left. uh, And then, you know, we've got a lot of work to do to bring the party together. And uh, according to Newsweek, he's the one to do it. Uh, He's the nominee. And uh, Hillary is still there, though. She's still running. Is she distracting him and causing it to be more difficult for Democrats to beat John McCain in November? That's the question. Again, we're taking your calls at 800-881-9270. Senator Obama was asked at a town hall meeting if he would consider Hillary Clinton as a running mate. I have not won this nomination yet. I think it it would be um, presumptuous of me to uh, suggest that she's going to be my running mate when we're still actively running. 
Uh, Robert Novak, though, writes that uh, that will not happen if Michelle Obama has anything to say about it. In fact, he says close-in supporters of Senator Barack Obama's presidential campaign are convinced he will never offer the vice presidential nomination to Senator Hillary Clinton for one overriding reason. That's Michelle Obama. And uh, she has denied this. But basically, the report is from Robert Novak, who's a longtime political uh, reporter and observer, that uh, Michelle Obama has been sniping at Hillary Clinton since last summer, and that according to certain sources in the Obama campaign, those uh, public utterances that she's made, the denials, do not reveal the extent of her hostility. Uh, And uh, so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what Barack Obama does and how soon he starts uh, hinting at who might be his uh, vice presidential nominee. Also, Dick Morris, uh, who used to work for Bill Clinton uh, during the Clinton years and is a a political advisor, he also advised Mike Huckabee, among other people. And he says that Hillary is crippling the Democratic Party with her attacks on Barack Obama, that she should be acting more like Mike Huckabee acted uh, when he was still in the race, he made the case for himself, but he did not denigrate John McCain during that time, and that that is a better way to go. Uh, but he says Hillary will not avail herself of that option because she has a long-term fallback position, according to Dick Morris, which would be running again in 2012. Because if Barack Obama is elected this year, he will seek re-election in 2012. And Hillary wouldn't have a chance then. Uh, But better for her, this is what Dick Morris is saying, selfishly, uh, for John McCain to win. And then she could take him on. He would be 76 years old. Well, we are taking your calls. Let's go to Regina in Dallas. Regina, go ahead. Yes, ma'am. I'm calling regarding, uh, I'm just trying to make a comment here. I don't really think Hillary should drop out of the race at this time. Because Barack Obama, looking at him... I don't think you really understand where he's going to right now. And you don't, you say that again. You don't Obama. think we understand where Barack Obama is going? Barack Obama understand the whole looking at the picture. I've lived in America for twenty years. Where are you from? I'm from Nigeria. 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 And, yes, ma'am. And uh, if Barack Obama chooses to be the nominee at this time, so many people will not vote. I can tell you that because we do have discussions. If if Barack Obama be the nominee, I don't have anybody to vote for, so I'm not going to vote because hmm. I will not vote for McCain. So the you are you're you're a Hillary McCain. supporter? Yeah, I'm a supporter because I'm looking at Bill Clinton going back the third time, and so there are mistakes that he has made, and there's a possibility that there are changes that they're going to make. Do you think Hillary has a chance? Yeah, she has a chance. Okay, so thanks, Regina. I appreciate your call. Uh, We'll continue on uh, with our callers. But first, uh, David Gergen, uh, former White House advisor to Presidents Nixon, Ford, Reagan and Clinton, said in an interview that Hillary, you know, she was really supposed to be the nominee. If you think back to last summer, Hillary Clinton was going to be the nominee, but she miscalculated her adversary. She was the inevitable nominee, and I think they misjudged what they were up against. 
Did she misjudge what she was up against? Of course she did. Uh, she's scrambling for her life right now. Let's go now to uh, Tara in Oklahoma. Tara, thanks for calling in. Uh, do you think Hillary is hurting the Democrats by staying in the race? Should she drop out? Uh, yes, I think it's time for her to let it go. Could you turn your radio down because uh, we're getting feedback? Okay. Yes, I think it's time for her to let it go. And do you think she will? I think that she will, but I think that she will do all she can before she gets out. It, it really is causing division in the in the party. Um, I actually am a registered Republican. Uh, I will not vote for Hillary should she get the nomination. I would not vote. I don't want to vote for McCain, uh, and I'm concerned with some of the issues that Barack embraces. So I'm really, like everybody else, I, I don't have a clear choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the issues you are concerned about with Barack Obama? I'm concerned about his his uh, views on gay marriage, his views about abortion. Uh, I think that he is not upholding. One hand, he says his values are Christian values, and then on the other hand, he has a total worldly, secular uh, viewpoint on things. So uh, I, I have real concerns about that. And right now, I think he's almost afraid to to cause an allegiance with one group or another, because as soon as he says something, everybody jumps on it, uh, you know, and, and some things that have been really unfair to him, uh, you know, the, the, the Reverend Wright thing, he should have never had to answer for, for his pastor. That was ridiculous. So I, I, I'm hoping that he's only afraid to really form an allegiance with one view or another, and that as time goes on and he really uh, gets into that place where, you know, they absolutely say he is the nominee, that he'll be a little more decisive. Um, certainly he's charismatic. Yes, he will bring that party back together again. Uh, but So still, I guess the question I have, and we only have a, a few seconds, but is are the, um, the marriage and abortion issues more important to you than bringing the party back together and the message that you see Obama has that's positive? Which is he more important for you? Has, he definitely has a positive message. Definitely but but you know message. that he's wrong in your mind on marriage and abortion. Definitely that. So which is more important? No, the, the marriage and the abortion because it, it's in the word. It's in okay, the, it's great, clear, clear in the word. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, that's an interesting call, and I think it shows uh, some of the. Uh, craziness in the minds of folks around the country right now. Some of our categories are actually being blown in this presidential race. And another one I think is blown with uh, John McCain making a speech about uh, the climate and what he'll do. It's a little more conservative than what Hillary and Barack would do, but uh, it's still a little bit worrisome. Well, next up, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk about Mother's Day. And uh, really the question that I am opening up for you. I love this interaction today. 800-881-9270. Does having children make you happier in your own personal life or as a whole? We will take your calls on that right after this. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. 
Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. Happy Mother's Day, she wrote. Hopefully I'll be wishing you one next year as president. You have already succeeded at the world's hardest job, being a mother. The second hardest job should be a breeze for you. (laughs) Hillary Clinton reading a Mother's Day wish from one of her supporters. Did you have a happy Mother's Day? I sure did, and I'll tell you about it in a moment. But let's talk about whether children make you happier. Also, we'll take your calls on Hillary. You can continue to call in. The number is 800-881-9270. Again, while campaigning in West Virginia, Senator Clinton says that the letters have been pouring in from all over the country, encouraging her not to quit the race. A Californian wrote, for the sake of all future and current mothers everywhere, keep your head up and keep on in this race. Keep fighting. I'm with you all the way. All right, there's a new book out. It's called Gross National Happiness, and it's by Arthur Brooks. Uh, He's a Syracuse University professor who measures American happiness. And he says conservatives are happy, uh, happier than uh, liberals, for the most part, according to his statistics and research. Married conservatives are even happier. They have 80% more kids than secular liberals. But he found that children do not, according to his research, necessarily make for happier marriages or happier people. They're sort of, uh, it's sort of equal there. But Harvard professor Daniel, Daniel Gilbert says something different. He says children spoil happiness. Uh, he says the more kids you have, the sadder you are likely to be. And uh, he uh, was at a conference. It was called the Happiness and Its Causes Conference in Sydney, Australia last week. And he concluded that having children will send your marital happiness into a downward spiral. Uh, Jenny uh, Tyree, associate marriage analyst at Focus on the Family Action, says it's not about short-term happiness. And she quoted a Pew poll taken last July saying 85% of people said their relationship with their children was their greatest source of fulfillment. I think that says more about the value of children to their parents than Gilbert's conclusions, she says. So I want to know what you think. Do children make you happier? Children are hard work, and there are always challenges. So in that sense, uh, it's a big responsibility. uh, But I really, in my own life, my children make me happier, and I'll tell you my story. Um, This past week, I've been gone. I've been in California. My son graduated from college. Uh, We went out there, and we took my mother-in-law, who's from Florida, and we went and visited my parents last week, who live in California. So on Mother's Day, I had my mother-in-law, my own mother, and two of my children. 
uh, all in the same place, which is very unusual for me. And uh, it was a very happy day for me. And of course, when you graduate a kid from college, that's always happiness. But we would love to hear from you. And we're going to take your calls, both political and about children making you happier or sadder. First, let's go to Paul in Frisco, who wants to talk about Hillary. Hillary, go ahead. Yes. Uh, I'm sorry, Paul, go ahead. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, my opinion is I think in the long run that she, that she stays in the campaign is more detrimental to the Republicans because the way I see it is whether it's Hillary or Obama, people uh, in the Democratic Party are pretty much going to go with a Democratic candidate. The big problem is going to be the onslaught from the liberal media against McCain. Right now there's this lull because they've found a greater love than Hillary so Hillary has some problems, and he feels it might be easy now. But once that's decided, they're going to come after him with a vengeance. And the, the earlier that happens to where he has more time to react to it, the better off it's going to be for the Republican Party. You don't think he's ready for it now? Oh, you think he's ready for that onslaught, McCain? Yeah, well, right. I, I know that he's ready for it, but it's a, it's a timing thing. If somebody comes after you negative. The more weeks and months you have to deal with it, the better off you are. Because if people start throwing their garbage and their dirt at you in, say, the last couple weeks of the election, it's less time to respond to it. Yeah, that's true. I know something uh, about George Bush's drinking, and I think some kind of a DUI was thrown at him in the final, final days uh, before, I think it was the 2000 election. And he had no time. They had no time to get, you know, really their message together. That is a good point. And it's really counter to what you're hearing right now in the media, which says that it's good for McCain that they're sniping at each other and sort of staying off of him right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it just it just feels like it. But, you know, the bill's going to come due. The, yeah. the press is overwhelmingly liberal, and they love Obama more than they've loved anybody that they've seen in a long, long time. So it's gonna, it's just going to come hard. Well, Paul, thanks for your call. We appreciate it. Let's go now to Elizabeth in Irving. And uh, the question out there on the table is, do children, does having children make you happier? Elizabeth, what do you think? Children exactly make you happier. Um, scripture says that um, children are a blessing from the Lord, and I have a hard time imagining that any blessing would do anything but make you happy. Does it always make you ha- Do you have children? I have three children, yes, and I, I, let me compare after 14 years of infertility and then uh, I guess about 30 years of being a mother. The 30 years of being a mother is a lot better than the 14 years of infertility. Mm, wonderful testimony. Yeah. Thank you very much for your call, Elizabeth. I appreciate it. And, you know, I think uh, most people think children will make you happier and they want children, and I was reading recently Uh, The links people will go to to have children, there was a cover story in Newsweek a few weeks ago called Womb for Rent, and it talked about surrogate motherhood. And, you know, people will pay a lot of money if they can't have a child. Uh, The going rate is about $20,000 to $25,000 to pay a woman to bear a child for you. And uh, so, in a sense, uh, these people believe that children will enrich their lives or they wouldn't be doing this. And a lot of women are now being, well, there's a greater number, a growing number of women who are acting as surrogate mothers uh, and thinking that they are going to make someone else very happy by doing so. Also, the financial rewards are um, 
extremely uh, helpful for them and cause them to want to do this also. But we are taking your calls. Do your children make you happier? Does having children make you happier or sadder? 800-881-9270. Trent is in Grapevine. Trent, thanks for calling in. Thanks, Penna. Hey, um, you know, I take a little different perspective on this, I think. I would 100% say that children are a blessing. They do make you happier, but I think the happiness needs to be redefined a lot in the sense of that, you know, I think and I'm a father of two, and I have one on the way, children sanctify you. (laughs) And, uh, you know, they make you more like Christ, which ultimately, as a Christian, should make you happy. And I think the whole sad issue is a lot of times that sanctification process happens to people, and they don't necessarily like it. And so it it may, to a lot of people, I think it appears as sadness. But to me, that as a Christian, that should be my ultimate joy is that knowing that my children are making me more like Jesus because it presses me to the cross. It's like uh, having to get up in the middle of the night, exactly. um, pay a lot of money for a lot of things that you didn't ha- expect to have to do, yep. uh, change the diapers, deal with you know their problems, get them to do their homework, uh, just so many things that come into your life that you didn't expect um, or maybe that you did expect that are hard. So it's yeah. kind of the definition of happiness, number one, yeah. and also the idea that, uh, in a sense, you learn to be selfless when you're a parent. Exactly. Yep. Okay, good, good, good. Trent, thanks for calling. Let's go to Melissa in Saginaw. Melissa, thanks for calling in. Do children Hi. make you happy? I believe they truly do. Um, I feel like I was a prodigal child myself, and now that I'm a mom and we have four children, um, we've got, you know, one or two prodigal children kind of uh, making their way in the world and struggling, and we're certainly lifting them up in prayer, but um, I think even though there's difficulties and challenges and heartache and tears and everything, the times that our children see the light and reach for Jesus and, you know, bless us with their words and, you know, when we see them turning to Christ, that is so, um, such a, a tremendous gift. It, it's kind of like childbirth, you know. It hurts, but then once the baby's here, you, you totally forget the pain. And so, you know, when our kids come to Christ and they really learn to love and they really learn to give and um, serve the Lord, then it's like you totally forget the pain. Melissa, that's such a good point. And, you know, uh, as parents, uh, we are to make disciples of our children. And so that's God's will and God's plan for us. And if we're doing that, although it's not always easy and can be very challenging, uh, it does make us, it at least gives us an underlying joy to be doing what God has laid out for us to do. If we don't feel like kicking up our heels every second, that doesn't mean that we don't have God's joy and happiness in doing that. Absolutely. It's better than any kind of riches or jewelry, jewels or anything. It's, it's such a gift. Melissa, thanks for calling. We'll go next to Dallas and speak with Renee. Hi, Renee. Thanks for calling in. Hello. Um, God bless you. I love your show. And you. I just wanted to say that I do truly think children are definitely a blessing. Um, it took me and my husband a year and a half to have our first child, and we have three now. And you, we didn't even know if we could have children since it took that was long to us, and I, I'm just so thankful for our three children, and, you know, all the glory goes to God for that, and I mean, I, I just feel like that's just one one special thing that women can 
that are, they're blessed to be able to do is to bear children. And I feel like if it's possible, every woman should be able to experience that. Renee, thanks for your call, and a belated happy Mother's Day to you. And to all the mothers in the audience, and uh, I know I had a great Mother's Day, as I told you. I hope you did, too. The scriptures do teach us that kids are an inheritance of the Lord. Children, that is. Some people criticize us for calling them kids. But uh, we ought to be happy with the gift that the Lord has given us. Well, next up, uh, we're going to talk about something very different, and that is pastoral malpractice. Dr. Tom Rayner of Lifeway Christian Resources says it's being practiced weekly without inhibition. The article is at bpnews.net. It's dated May 5th. You might want to go there. We're going to talk with him next on Jerry Johnson Live. Listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. And what if you're Jewish or Muslim and you don't accept Christ at all? You know, I, I just I'm very careful about saying who and would and wouldn't go to heaven. I don't know. I think only God. Because you believe you have to believe in Christ. I so believe they're, they're wrong, aren't they? Well, I don't know if I believe they're wrong. I believe here's what the Bible teaches, and from the Christian faith, this is what I believe. But I just think that only God can judge a person's heart. I've spent a lot of time in India with my father. And, uh, you know, I don't know all about their religion, but I know they love God. I know for me and what the Bible teaches, I want to have a relationship with Jesus. But But, uh, this is the senior pastor of the largest church in the United States on Larry King Live, Joel Osteen. And in a sense, I like to say that this is a little bit out there from what we're talking about, and I'll have to ask our guests if it is. Uh, But our guest uh, does quote in his article at BP News dated May uh, 5th entitled Pastoral Malpractice. He quotes J.I. Packer in his work, Knowing God. We have all heard the gospel presented as God's triumphant answer to human problems, problems of our relation with ourselves and our fellow humans, and our environment. Well, there is no doubt that the gospel does bring us solutions to these problems, but it does so by first solving a deeper problem, the deepest of all human problems, the problem of man's relation with his maker. And I think the idea here is that many pastors are going to the problem that is actually the result of solving the relationship with God, and that's the human problems, rather than preaching the gospel as a reconciliation between God and man. But we're going to talk with the author of this uh, this piece, and I think this is a really huge concern that we need to discuss. He is Dr. Tom Rayner, and he is president and CEO of Lifeway Christian Resources. And Dr. Rayner, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks. Great to be here. All right. This is just uh, something that needs to be pointed out over and over again, and you do it in a way that almost shocks uh, the sensibilities to call this malpractice. Uh, why do you use such a strong term? You know, if there's anything that we could think about that would be the greatest offense to God from the perspective of the pulpit and the perspective of a pastor, it would be this, to forget my main message, says the Lord. And the main message is simply this, I sent my son to die for you. I sent my son to die on a cross for you. I sent my son as a substitute for your sins. If you do not accept that, If you do not believe that, then you do not believe me. And yet, though we have many pastors today 
that affirm that cognitively that will say that's exactly what I believe day in, day out, Sundays in the pulpit, we are failing to hear the clear gospel message. And so I call that pastoral malpractice. There are actually two parts to it. One is the proclamation of the gospel, and then secondly is the going and sharing of the gospel. The negligence of either one of those is pastoral malpractice. All right. A lot of people, when they share their faith, uh, they share the benefits of being saved. You know, this will give you more peace in your life, for instance. Right. Uh, This will give you, you know, wisdom in your marriage or whatever. And those are the benefits. They come sort of, though, as fruits or as outgrowths of your relationship with Christ, which is the goal, isn't it? That is absolutely right. And we, we, we really have to begin with God and ourselves in light of God. When we understand who we are in the light of a holy and just God, our first response should not be, let me see what benefits I can get by hooking up with God. Our first response should be a falling on our face, whether literally or figuratively, and saying, woe is me, for I am a sinner, that I have sinned against a holy and just God. And until we get to that point, we don't truly understand what we Christians have seen throughout biblical history as repentance, the turning away from sin and the turning to God in faith. All right. uh, My guest is Dr. Tom Rayner. He is president of Lifeway Christian Resources. And Dr. Rayner, we played that cut from Joel Osteen. Am Am I interpreting this wrong in saying that he is like one of the furthest out there with this problem? I mean... Let, let me put it this way. He is, he is one of the well-known who is far out there. And the clip that uh, I heard, as your audience did just a few minutes ago, is regrettable. It is highly regrettable because one of the best-known pastors in America and one of the best-known pulpits in, uh, in America has come out and said, I cannot say for certain what is going to happen to someone if they are not a Christian. Well, God said in his word, that he knows for certain. John fourteen six, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is a very clear declaration that God has said his Son is the only way. We may not can know the hearts of people, but God does, and he has declared it in his word. So to, to declare Joel Osteen's statement unfortunate would probably be an understatement. Um, it is, it's, it's heresy. It is, it is way beyond Orthodox Christianity. Okay, we are taking calls, 800-881-9270, for Dr. Rayner to talk about this problem. And, uh, you know, when I hear Osteen, it just makes me so upset because he was really basically given uh, this wonderful ministry through his father, and he he has abused it, in my uh, opinion. But I want to move on because Lifeway Christian Resources is, is affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention. So are you talking about... Southern Baptist pastors across the country? Uh, I am not talking specifically about Southern Baptist pastors, but I am inclusive of Southern Baptist pastors. And I am not talking about any specific Southern Baptist pastor, but I do know that within our denomination that we are seeing a woefully anemic evangelistic growth rate. We're seeing less and less people one to the gospel in the Southern Baptist Convention. I know that we cannot place the entirety of the blame on pastors, but I also know that if there was faithful gospel proclamation and going, we would have to see more of the results of what God intended, and that is people want to a saving knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ. 
All right, let's take some calls. David uh, is in Dallas. David, uh, you, do you have a question or comment for Dr. Rayner? I actually have a, a comment to reinforce what he's saying, if I may. Go ahead. And um, I, as I look at our study um, uh, lawyers or physicians that practice what they do, they refer to themselves as practicing law or perhaps practicing medicine. And it's kind of neat, the analogy here is that, you know, no no pastor is really, a, uh, you know, a professional. I mean, they're professional in what they do. They know what they do, but they're really just practicing their their gift. Um, so if if, in fact, they are mistreating the Word and not teaching the Word or proclaiming the Word, as the doctors pointed out, then that is really a good, a good description of practice, um, and we can see uh, we can see that clearly, at least in my view. And then the other thing that I would say to, to supplement what he has mentioned is that though I do, as a born again believer, I do have a peace and I do have freedom and I do enjoy the assurance of salvation and the assurance of the forgiveness of my sin and the assurance of my answered prayer and so on. Yes, I do, but just as important, if not more important, I have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to honor God with all that I say and do, what I think about, and how I use the gifts that He's blessed me with. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say, like, let's save the Mother Earth. I would say, let's save God's creation. You know, I, I just mm-hmm. look at things in a way that's, that's a responsible, honoring uh way and that's to me is the responsibility of being a believer and pastor and precious and holding these people that are listening to your every word every week if not every day on talk radio for example and you're not proclaiming teaching the gospel um, then I think you are practicing malpractice or there, there's this is an instance of malpractice so I thank you for your time David, thank you so much. Uh, Dr. Rayner, first I want to ask you, because we are getting some calls, and this is such a great topic, can you stay with us over the break for another segment? Yes, sure. Great, wonderful. Could you have a response or just anything to add to what David had to say? Well, I affirm what David said and the the whole issue of this being malpractice. We did a study, LifeWay did a study a couple of years ago of pastors across the United States, and we asked them in an anonymous response how many of them had even shared the gospel in any form or fashion in the past uh, six months and 53% of them said none, not at all. So I affirm what he is saying, and that's the data that we're getting. We continue to take your calls. Danny is in Arlington. Danny, go ahead. Uh, hi. First of all, I want to say thank you for taking my call. And sure. uh, I'm also a licensed minister independent. Um, and I just I wanted to tell the guests I appreciate your comments and your boldness in coming out and, and really stating the truth of not only uh, Joel Osteen, but pastors in general uh, that we see in this country that have really let down uh, on preaching the Word of God. And we're we are so afraid sometimes to say that, you know, black is black and white is white because we don't want to get accused of so-called judging people. But you are so correct. The Word of God says there is only one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ, His Son, and as the we're living in the last days, and as you know, it's getting closer and closer to Christ coming back. The Bible says that there will be a great falling away, and I believe we're living in those times where, where you know, the, us as pastors, we're afraid to stand up and and preach the gospel the way it should be preached. And uh, I just believe it's it's part of the end times, 
but I also know that, you know, I was saved about 22 years ago, and it wasn't through, you know, hey, this is uh, going to make you feel wonderful, whatever. It, it, it was, you know, it's going to get you rich, all this kind of stuff. It was, you know what, you're a sinner, you're in need of a Savior, and Jesus Christ saves. And mm-hmm. at, when I bowed my heart and my life to Him, I was completely delivered of drugs and alcohol and all of those things. And you know what, Jesus does save, and He is the only way. And I believe we need to stand up and preach it the way it is, and I appreciate you doing that and standing out and saying Thank you very much. what needs to be said. Danny, thank you. thank you so much for your call and for your testimony. My guest is Dr. Tom Rayner. He is president of Lifeway Christian Resources. We're talking about pastoral malpractice, taking your calls, 800-881-9270. He says in his article, regrettably, too many evangelical churches have become centers for motivational speaking, learning things like God helps those who help themselves. That is not the gospel. Stay with us. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. It doesn't quote a lot of biblical passages until the back of the book, right? Yeah, it doesn't do a whole lot of it, but I've always, you know, my message, I wanted to reach the mainstream. I mean, we've reached the church audience, so I just try to... What I do is try to just teach practical principles. I may not bring the scripture into the end of my sermon, and, and I don't feel bad about that. I just say, you know what, here's, here's the thought. I mean, I talked yesterday about living to give. That's what a life should be about. I brought in at the end about, you know, some of the scriptures that talk about that. But same principle in the book. Scripture sort of an afterthought to Joel Osteen. At least that's the impression you get from this interview with uh, Larry King. Of course, he's talking about his book and why he doesn't use much Scripture, either in his sermons or in his books. And, uh, you know, when you talk about motivational speaking, and again, my guest is Dr. Tom Rayner, president of Lifeway Christian Resources. And uh, Dr. Rayner, when you use uh, motivational teaching and not much Scripture, I mean, you know, this isn't Christianity, is it? I was listening to that clip, and I don't guess I recall the entirety of the interview with Joel Osteen, but uh, I was thinking if I didn't have a text, a biblical text at the beginning of my message, I wouldn't have anything to say. Well, yeah. I mean, I would be preaching strictly from a man-centered perspective, and there would be nothing of a word-centered. And uh, uh, to even think about putting it as an afterthought or a P.S. to a sermon or even a 
uh, purported Christian book is just beyond the realm of, uh, of belief to me, but I guess that's the world that we live in these days. You know, uh, he mentions that, oh, well, he, he doesn't want to preach to the choir or something like that. Everybody's, you know, there's a certain group that's already Christians. He wants to reach outside of that, I guess, to people who really don't care about the Bible or something. But, you know, since you're with Lifeway, you must have some research on how to reach lost people. I mean, is it by watering down Scripture or ignoring it altogether? I think we're seeing the fruit of years and years of a, I think it's almost an oxymoron to say it's a watered-down gospel, because if it's watered down, it is not the gospel. Certainly the gospel is preached in love, and certainly the gospel is shared in love, and certainly we do that because we know that God first loved us. But at the same time, if it is not a gospel that presents truth, that presents who we are in the light of God, it is not the gospel at all. And you ask, you ask about research. Uh, I, I want to be careful because um, I, I want to stay scripture-driven and not research-driven, but uh, just, just some, some things that we're finding through LifeWay Research. I gave you the, the statistic that 53% of pastors have not shared their faith in the past six months. We've also found that over 90% of evangelical churches in America, including Southern Baptist churches, over 90% are not reaching people commensurate with the population rate where they are. So they're losing ground. Mm -hmm. So we have had this long, long phase of seeker targetedness and seeker sensitivity to a to a sense is okay if you're just being a bit relevant for the day. But when it begins to compromise the gospel, then we're actually seeing the lost and the unchurched walk away. They are telling us again and again, I came to your church or I came to talk to you because I wanted to find something different about you in this church. But what they're saying is this church or you look so much like the culture that I don't see why I'm going to waste my time. So when someone like Osteen says, well, we just want to reach this crowd and we don't want to get too scriptural with them, I just, I just have to say, in all Christian love, baloney. That mm-hmm. is just not the way the Bible teaches to reach the lost and unchurched across America. And now we're seeing the fruit of these lack of gospel intentions. You know, there are some big churches that are seeker-sensitive, as you mentioned, uh, but there are also some huge churches that are preaching, you know, expository, uh, basically, treatment of the Scripture that are also huge and growing, That's aren't right. they? And we, and, we, and we need to look at the type of growth that is taking place. Uh, and I would refer to them more as seeker-targeted, where the purpose of why they are there is to uh, do everything that they can just to be uh, under aware that, uh, that there are seekers there and that to the negligence of presenting scriptural truth. That's what I would call seeker-targeted. And yet we're finding that the fastest evangelistic growth is taking place in churches that, number one, believe the totality of Scripture, and number two, the Word is being preached faithfully, expositionally, week by week. Well, in a sense, you know, I'm in a church, and I've been a Christian for, you know, 30 years, so if the if the pastor is preaching to me to help me grow in my faith, I feel that that's what he should be doing, and that will also attract the unbeliever, don't you think? I mean, oh, well, that will definitely attract the unbeliever, and the thing about it is if we preach the whole counsel of God, his word is going to pierce the heart of a lost and unchurched person more than any clever device of man could ever do. 
So we we may be preaching a a, a sermon that that seems like it is not targeted evangelistically at all, though it could be. But we may be preaching something that uh, we would be shocked at how that's pen- how God is using His Word to penetrate the heart of a lost person. So I simply say, let's stop thinking about the ways that humanity can make a difference in reaching people. Let's look at what the Word can do to pierce the hearts of the lost and unchurched. Let's go to John in Dallas. John, uh, thanks for waiting. You're on with Dr. Rayner. Thanks, Dr. Rayner. I just was uh, following your comments about the Word piercing the heart. Uh, Faithful preaching is often offensive to the hearer, and in the Congregationalist form of church government, the pastor is often at the whim of uh, his congregation. What protections do you think need to be made in terms of uh, church governance to protect those pastors who are faithful to preaching the Word? Good question. Well, uh, you're getting into a whole church governance issue, and uh, of course we, we could deal a whole lot with polity, we could deal a whole lot with ecclesiology, and a whole lot uh, with governance. I want to affirm what he is saying in the sense that Many pastors are under tremendous pressure from their congregation. Uh, Hardly a day goes by that I don't get an email, that I don't get a telephone call from a hurting pastor who has told me that I'm trying to be faithful to preach the Word, and yet this particular member is saying this, or this particular member wants me to go in this, this direction. In many senses, I believe that we are in those times where people, many people, want to get their ears tickled, to use Paul's uh, word phrase. And we simply, whatever the cost may be, even though we will do so in love as pastors, and even though we will do so with a, with a heart that cares for our sheep, I say that we cannot compromise no matter what the cost may be. And regardless of the, the, the form of accountability or the form of government, uh, whether it's a congregational government or otherwise, ultimately that is going to be the test. Are we going to be faithful no matter what the cost? And the Apostle Paul and those of the earth, of the early church certainly knew that there was a cost to it, and they were willing to pay their, that cost. I wish it weren't so for many pastors, but many are paying the cost even today. Dr. Rayner, thank you so much for joining us today and for your article. Again, it's at bpnews.net, and uh, really for this thoughtful interview, we really appreciate uh, this uh, sort of effort uh, to get the real message of the gospel into the preaching across the country. And I know if anybody can do it, LifeWay can certainly influence that. So thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's been great to be here. Of course, uh, Romans one sixteen says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.